0: Thanks for having me here this morning. Uh, It was was a a joy to worship with you guys here this morning, and it's a joy to have the opportunity to speak. Um, As Josh said, um, I am from Warsaw. uh, I'm one of the pastors on staff at the Family Life Church in Warsaw, and uh, I grew up, um, pretty pretty much spent my whole life in Warsaw, grew up in Warsaw. And... um, Grew up um, just a couple of miles outside of town. We had a house out- just outside of town. Uh, actually, house is the wrong word, it was a trailer. Um, and I have five brothers and sisters. Plus myself, that's six kids, two parents, There's eight people in a three bedroom trailer. So it was tight. Um, <clears throat> I tell my kids all the time, let me tell you, no, sorry, I won't go down that road. <clears throat> so, um, eight people, small trailer. I spent a lot of time outside when I was a kid, <laughs> as you can imagine, So, <clears throat> which worked out good because behind our house, we had a lot, of, a lot of woods. I used to love to play out there when I was younger. Um, and in the woods behind our house, there was a ravine, and it's a pretty steep, pretty deep ravine. It's maybe two, 300 feet down, pretty straight down, and we used to climb down there as little kids. Uh, in fact, I can't, I think, like, I can't believe my mom let us just... Like, now that I have kids, I'm like, I would not let my kids climb down in there. But no, she would let us go, me and the neighbor kid, we'd climb down the ravine, we'd catch fish or crayfish or go swimming or whatever, and um, spent a lot of time back there in that ravine. And uh, when I got a little bit older, um, I used to hang out, we used to have a lot of campfires out there with our friends when we were teenagers and, um, you know, have big fires and stuff like that. And so I remember this one was one weekend, uh, it was a Friday night, we had a big campfire, and then we all stayed out, we slept out by the campfire. Next morning, Saturday morning, hanging around with me and one other friend, um, looking for something to do. Uh, and if you were ever, if you can think back to what it was like being a teenager, you know there's nothing good is going to come of this, right? Saturday morning with nothing to do, what should we do? So <clears throat> we're just hanging out in the woods, looking for something to do. And my family had this uh, old uh, lawn tractor that I don't, I don't think it worked, and it didn't have the mower deck on it, I, my dad was working on it or something. I, I don't know why we kept it around, because we never really used it. I don't know. How many here have an old mower in your yard that doesn't work? So I'm not the only one. <clears throat> so we thought, you know, obviously, we should um, push it around in the woods, I think we were riding on it and pushing each other in the woods. And then we had this great idea. What if we push it to the edge of the ravine and ride it down into the ravine? It's a good good idea, right? Now, I am here today to tell you, thankfully, we did not do that. In fact, I'm probably here today because we, we didn't do that. But actually, I want to show you, I remember my line of thinking. I remember we were like like on the crest of the ravine, and my friend and I are pushing it, and I go, wait a minute, if we push this tractor down this ravine, my dad is definitely going to make us get it back out. And I don't know how I'm going to get a a, a tractor back up the ravine. It's like the fear of injury didn't really bother me that much. It was my dad who's going to make us haul this thing back up, and we're like, that's going to be a lot of work. I don't like doing hard work, so maybe we shouldn't do this. I tell you that story, <clears throat> to tell you, I, I think back about that. I've done it several times in my life. I've thought back about that, and I've, thought, I've asked myself, what in the world was I thinking? Why did that seem like a good idea at the time? You, has anyone else ever had that? You look back and you think, what was I thinking? Or maybe you thought about, about your kids. You know, What were they thinking? <coughs> <laughs> what are you thinking? So... That's the question i want to ask you this morning is, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And actually, I was thinking about it, uh, that question has different connotations depending on how you say it, how you, where you put the emphasis, you know? Like, you can hear your mom saying it, what are you thinking? <laughs> um, or maybe you're, you, know, you could think of maybe someone is trying to solve a problem, and they might say, so what are you thinking? You know, that's kind of a different way on it. Um <clears throat> But today, I want to ask you to think about what you think about. I'm going to say that again in case you didn't get it the first time. Think about what you think about. What do you dwell on? What do you meditate on? What runs through your mind? Um, This well-known pastor, writer, um, Craig Rochelle, he loves to say, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What you think about most changes what you do and how you feel and how you react. So it's good to take time to think about what you think about. We're going to look this morning at Psalm 139. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up um, to Psalm 139. And we're going to to read the psalm, talk about it, and then uh, think about our thoughts. Psalm 139 was written by David. Um, they're a great psalm writer, uh, and it talks about David's thoughts. But let me, let me tell you that Psalm 139 is not about David's thoughts. Psalm 139 is about God's thoughts. And getting a picture of what God is thinking about shapes or, or tells us how we should be thinking. Instead of looking at, like, what do I want to think about? We look at, what is God thinking about? So we're going to read Psalm 139, and we're going to think, What is God thinking about, and what can we learn from that? All right, Psalm 139, I'm going to read the whole thing. We'll start off right there in the beginning. Um, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I said, Surely darkness will hide me, and the light will become night all around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, and the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the sands of the sea. And when I awake, I am still with you. If you're following following along as I read, I'm going to skip the next couple of verses. I'm going to skip down to verse 23. Um, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you in this room right now and I pray that you would teach us from this uh, psalm. I pray that you would breathe upon the words of the Lord, and I pray that you would speak it to our hearts, into our lives, into our situations. Challenge us if you need to challenge us. Correct us if you need to correct us. We're open to your word. Amen. So, what does God think about us? God thinks about us. He thinks about you, and you, and you, And me, he thinks about us. And not just that he thinks about us, but this psalm shows us how much he thinks about us. It would overwhelm you. It might even terrify you a little bit if you knew how much God thought about you. Not just today, but the day before that and the year before that. And before you were born, he was thinking about you. God is thinking about us. David, in this psalm, gives us a few glimpses of what that is like. And so I'm just going to walk through Psalm 139 a little bit and point out some things that David points out to us that God is thinking about. Um, so in the first couple of verses, we have um, God knows everything about us. He knows when you get up. He knows when you, get, when you lay down. Um, when you leave, he knows where you're going. He knows when you're coming back. And he knows why you're going and what you're doing when you're there. He knows what you're thinking. Before you say it, he knows what you're about to say. He knows what you're feeling, what you're planning to do. And in verse 6, you see David's response. And I like David's response because I can, I can follow along, or I can relate. David says, God, this is a little too much. <laughs> this is too wonderful for me. And he's like, okay, so you know everything about me. That's a lot. I don't know if I can handle that. So we'll keep going. Uh, the next couple of verses, we see God goes everywhere that we go, and David goes to the extremes here, and he says, like, if I go up into the sky, God will be there, and if I dig down into the earth, God will be down in there, and if I'm on the other side of the planet, God's going to be there, right? And we all we all understand that. We're like, that's God. God's everywhere. I can get that, and that's good. But I think it's actually helpful for us to think of it in less extreme terms, in more normal terms. So, like. Here on Sunday morning in this church, God is here, right? But when you go home, God's there too. On Monday morning, you're going to go to work and God is there. Maybe you'll have a staff meeting. God will be in that meeting. Maybe afterwards you'll, you know, run some errands, stop at a store. God is there. Maybe you'll go to your your kids' basketball games. Maybe you'll go out to dinner. Maybe you'll go home. God is there. In every place you go, he is with you. And it's important to remember, God not only knows what you're doing, but God goes where you go. And I'll tell you why that's important. Because you need to know that he experiences those moments that you experience. It's not just information. Okay, Ben went to church, Ben went back home, Ben went to the store... No, he experiences, he feels what I feel in those moments, when there's ups and when there's downs. So um, a couple weekends ago, I went with my wife to um, a, um, some of her high school friends were getting together to hang out. So I went with her and some of her high school friends, and um, I don't really know them. I've only met them, met them through her, but we hung out. And as old high school friends do, they started telling stories, and they started talking about, oh, do you remember this person or this teacher, or do you remember the time we went to this thing? And there were funny stories, and I sat around with them, and I laughed at their stories. But I could tell, as you look around this circle of friends, like, I'm married into this group of friends, and I can see this other spouse is married into a group of friends. So when they tell a story, they'll be like, oh, remember Mrs. Johnson? Everyone in the group is laughing, except the two of us were like, hey, wait, I don't... Nobody, why that's funny? And then they would tell us a story, and it's like, okay, that's funny, but it, it's not the same if you didn't experience it. If you weren't there, there's a new, there's a new depth to it. And so I want to tell you in the same way, God isn't hearing about your life. God is experiencing it with you. When you're feeling low because something went bad, God feels that. And when you're feeling excited something's going well, he feels that. He can feel what you're going through. So we're going to move on to the next couple of verses, and now we're getting to the good part. This is the part that I love here. The next verses, if you look in verse 13, you'll see. Um, it says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together. So God knows everything about you. He goes everywhere you go. God designed every part of you. He carefully, thoughtfully Designed every part of you inside and out. And this is a wonderful thought. I want you to get this, is that you are a reflection of God's creativity, Whether you, whatever your personality is like, if you're loud how many people in here are the loud people? Or maybe you're quiet. Maybe you're a think it through before I, I do something. Or maybe you're a, let's just get it done kind of person. Maybe you're cautious. Maybe you're adventurous. Maybe you're hardworking. Maybe you're easygoing. Quirky, goofy, caring, loving. Whatever your personality is like, it's a reflection of God's personality. Even if you don't like it, even if other people don't like it, I'm telling you, it's a reflection of of God's good work. That's who you are. You ever heard anyone, someone say, never buy a car made on a Monday or a Friday? Anyone ever heard that expression before? Um, I remember I was, I was a friend who was helping me work on a car and something wasn't, something was wrong in a car, something wasn't working right. And he said, oh, I must've been built on a Friday. And I didn't know what that meant. And I looked it up and figured out what he, what he was saying. But what they're saying basically is that, um, factory, you know, a car, anything made on a Friday or a Monday is going to have defects because a Monday morning, the factory workers are, you know, coming in from a late long weekend, tired, not excited to be there, not giving 100%. And then Friday afternoon, everyone's on a rush to get out to their long weekend, and so they're cutting corners to get out there. Um, so anything made on those days might have some questionable quality. I want to tell you, there are no factory defects in this room. God does not cut corners. God does not make mistakes. He doesn't take long weekends, whatever that means. But I'm telling you, you can't look at your personality and say, I'm not as good as somebody else, or God messed this up when he made me, because I'm telling you, he planned you, he designed you the way you are. Verse 16, if you're following along, verse 16 is the one that keeps me up at night. It's the one that, like, you know, gets in my head and, and, and just bothers me because it says, all of the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has planned every moment of our lives. Before we even were, he planned all of the moments which, of course, raises all kinds of questions about if God planned it, then do I get to make choices and we're not going to open that can <laughs> of worms? But what's important there is that God thought ahead about your life and he made a plan for what it was going to be like. How many of you guys are planners? Um, some people are, love to plan, plan things out. And so if you ever go on vacation with somebody who's a planner, they usually... Will think through exactly what they want to do when they're on vacation. I am not that way. I like to just go and and take it easy. And if something looks like fun to do, we'll do it. If not, we won't. Some people love to plan, and thank God for those people. Some of you, I'm willing to bet, have a vacation planned. Like six months from now or eight months from now, you have a vacation planned and you already know what you're going to do Monday morning of that vacation and how long you're going to sleep in and what you're going to eat for breakfast and where you're going to go, and what time is nap time and what you're going to watch. You know, some of you have really planned out exactly what you want to do. And actually, I think that's great because the person who's planning out that vacation day, you're thinking, what's going to be best for these people? What is my family going to enjoy what are my kids going to enjoy? What are my parents going to enjoy? What kind of food do they like to eat? Where do they like to go? What do they like to do for fun? What time are they all going to need a nap? And you're, you're thinking through what's going to be best for them. And so I want to say, God has thought through the same thing about you. Cool thing. He thought, what are you going to enjoy? Who are the people you're going to enjoy? Who are the people you're going to go get along with? Who are the people you're going to need in your life? God has thought through and planned ahead the moments of our lives. It is worth saying that we don't always follow God's plan. Anyone here know what I'm talking about? We don't always follow his plan. um, But he has a good plan for us. And that's awesome. Uh, David really drives home this point that God thinks a lot about us. Before we were, he planned it out. As we go through it, he experiences it with us, and he's thinking about us. Now, that thought that God thinks a lot about you can be comforting or it could be terrifying. You know what I mean? God knows everything you've fought, everything you've done. That can be a little scary, right? I think it depends on how much you trust him. If you think God's out to get you, if you think he's looking for reasons to punish you, then that would be a really scary thing to know he knows everything about you, you know? I I like to imagine it like this, and maybe I watch too many spy movies, um, but I like to think of the agent who's like following somebody and tracking somebody, and he's like, I want to know where he spends his free time. I want to know where he spends his money. I want to know what kind of toothpaste he uses. We're going to follow this guy and, and learn everything about him bring him down. And sometimes we think God's like that, like, oh my goodness, he's watching every step. I better not mess up. That's not what it's like though. If you have a full picture of God and you believe, let me put it this way, if you believe that God is loving and you believe that God is gracious and you believe that God is wise, if you believe God is forgiving, then that's a really comforting thought that he knows everything about me. And he sees it, like we sang this this morning, he sees me through eyes of mercy. And he knows when I'm struggling and when I mess up. He knows that. It's not hidden from him. And he's there to help me through it. Don't raise your hands, but has anyone in this place ever felt like no one notices me? Don't raise your hands. (laughs) No one sees me. No one appreciates what I do. And I want to tell you, God sees you. God appreciates you. God notices what you do. He knows what you do. He knows what you're trying to do, even what you're doing doesn't work out. He sees what's in your heart. How precious are your thoughts, God? How precious are your thoughts? That's what David says when he, th- when he realizes how much God thinks about him. He says, how precious. The word precious that's, that's used there, um, it, it's a word that describes something that's really valuable. Maybe something that's rare or uh, worth a lot of money, like a treasure. It's very precious. And so that's how David feels about God's thoughts. He says, these are so valuable. They're worth so much. Um, I have received, I'm, I'm sure you all have as well, as many of you have, I've received lots of cards and letters and notes and mail in my life, you know, and some mail is more valuable than others. use junk mail, bill, not bills, junk mail or like uh, offers, special offers, you throw them away before you even read them, right? Um, some of them maybe are kind of important, like a bill, you open it, you read it, you pay it, and then you, then you throw it away. Um, or whatever. It's, an, it's an, a, you know, something that you just need to read once, throw it away. Then you get some things like Christmas cards, maybe. How many of you guys still have some Christmas cards hanging around, or maybe some birthday cards where like, you feel bad throwing it right away? So you feel like you're obligated to keep it for like a week or something, right? But then after a week or two, you're like, okay, I know they like me. I have to throw it away eventually, right? Um, And, uh, you know, if you have kids who are in uh, grade school, they bring home, like, these art projects or these different things that they make. And you're like, that's so cute. We should put it on the fridge. But, you know, it it has a lifespan, and eventually it's like, I hate to throw those away, but I can only keep so much memory. Um, But then you have a few notes. You have a few cards. You have a few letters that are so precious that you don't throw them away. I have a couple of them from my wife. I have a few notes from my wife that are especially meaningful. Now, she's written me a lot of cards in my life of you know, birthdays and Valentines and, and Christmas or whatever, and I haven't kept all of them, but there are a few where she wrote something that was so meaningful or so personal that I keep stashed because those are so valuable to me. And that's what God's thoughts are like. They're the most valuable ones. They're the ones you don't throw away. They're the ones you treasure and you keep close. I mean, think about it. If God sent you a card, if God sent you a card, And he wrote a few things of what he thought about you. How long would you keep it? Would you throw it away? No, you would treasure that, right? You would treasure that. You would keep that. And so this is one of the reasons why I think reading the Bible is so important, because the Bible shows us what he's thinking about us. It shows us how close he wants to be to us. It shows us how much he cares about us. These are some of his thoughts, and we should value that. Um, we get a glimpse of how he sees us, and uh, that's something we should really treasure. So, <laughs> at our church, uh, currently, we're doing this reading challenge through the book of Psalms, and it's actually where I, I got the, the idea to preach this message here. But we, we're reading through the, the book of Psalms, and uh, it was my idea actually to have this Psalms reading challenge, and I created these booklets. So you could like read along and mark off every day that you read. And I made this like big thing where I told everybody, hey, we should all read the book of Psalms together. And here are reading booklets and follow along. And, I, and everybody was like, that sounds great. And then I have to stand up and admit that actually, I haven't been very consistent reading the book of Psalms. <laughs> I'm the one standing up telling everybody how important it is. And then like I look at my, my thing and I'm like, I've checked off like maybe half of the days. I'm just like, I'm not following through with this. And so I I say that to tell you that we do not value his word high enough. And it's easy for me to stand up here and say, we should value God's thoughts. And everyone says, amen, we should value God's thoughts. But then we don't make the time in our schedule. You know, my alarm goes off and I hit snooze and I sleep for another 10 minutes and I don't take the time to read his word. Or at night, I just, I, I don't pull it out before I go to bed. Uh, And so if you value God's word, don't just say that you value it. Don't just say you value his thoughts. Pull out his word. Give it some time in your life. Do what I say, not what I do, I guess is what I'm saying, really. How many of you have a favorite scripture? Like a a favorite verse? I say, well, what's your favorite verse? You have one that you you could say. Um, I'm guessing if you have a favorite scripture, it probably says something about the way God feels about you. It probably says something of God's thoughts to you. Those are the verses that we latch on to. Um, I remember when I was younger, I remember memorizing 1 Timothy one seven, which says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And I remember memorizing that when I was younger. And when I was a young man, and I was pretty insecure about um, who I was. I was insecure. Am I smart enough? Am I capable enough? Do people you know, like me? Do people trust me? Uh, and so I had a lot of self-doubt. And this verse, I came across this verse and it meant a lot to me that said, God had not given me a spirit of fear. That spirit of, of insecurity was not from God, but God gave me a spirit of love and God gave me a sound mind and he made me smart and God gave me all of the gifts and talents and abilities that I need for the life that He had planned out for me. And I remember, even as a young man, that, that thought was so precious to me. God had already prepared me. Let's, let's, uh, let's, I want to skip down a couple of verses and jump to the end of Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Um, and here, David is saying, God knows everything about me. And God has gone everywhere I've gone. He planned everything, right? But then he ends by inviting God to continue searching. He says, search me, O God. Know me. Test me or try me. Like, I I know you know everything, but just keep looking. Just make sure everything's good. Um, He says, know my thoughts, and the word that's used there, um, the word that David used there when he says thoughts, is actually different than the word that he used for thoughts previous in the chapter. In the very beginning, he says, uh, you know my thoughts. Lord, you search me and you know me and you know my thoughts. But in the end, he says, test me and know my thoughts. But that word is different, and that word has the sense of being um, unsettled. In some translations, we'll say uh, anxious thoughts or worried thoughts. So it's not just... Not just know what I'm thinking, but know what are the anxious thoughts. Anyone have any anxious thoughts that are bothered by some anxious thoughts? I personally, I usually try to ignore any anxious thoughts that I have. (laughs) Usually, if you just ignore them, they go away, and that has seemed to be working really well for me. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, I usually try to ignore or hide or just forget about any anxious thoughts and pretend that Everything is good. But David here, David is saying, No, God, show me. Show me any anxious thoughts. Show me any weaknesses. Show me any, anything that I'm thinking that's unhealthy or, or un, unright or, or, or that could be a problem. And he does this because David trusts God. He knows God. He's, you know, God is not going to point out his anxious thoughts and make fun of him. You know, God's not going to do that. God's going to point it out and say, Here's a problem. Here's something you need to work on. Here's something you've been thinking that's not helpful. Here's something you've been thinking that's been unhealthy, and you need to work on that. Um, inviting God to discover your weakness is the fastest route to health. Inviting God to discover your weakness. Um, I work at our, at our church, as I mentioned earlier, at uh, Family Life Church, and every year, uh, we have a building safety inspection. Um, you guys probably have the same inspection here. In fact, it might be the same the same guy who comes. This inspector comes. <laughs> so um, he comes once a year, and he looks at fire extinguishers and smoke detectors and exit signs and just does a general building safety inspection. And usually he'll find some things that need to be fixed, you know, there's the, uh, you know, light bulbs are going dim or the bulb or batteries are dying in, in something or something expired and we have to like, you know, update some things, fix some things. And it can, I'll be honest, sometimes it can be a little bit of a hassle, right? It can be a little bit of a hassle sometimes. Sometimes the rules change a little bit and that's okay. It's okay. I tell myself I'm thankful for that inspection. I'm grateful. I remind myself when he's pointing out things need to be done. I say, I'm grateful for this inspection. Because if there, if there's a dying smoke detector in our building, I would rather find out about it during a routine inspection than during a building fire. If there's an emergency light that's dead, I don't want to find out when there's an emergency. I'd rather invite him to come and inspect everything and deal with it then. And, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, that's a good idea, but I want to say... We want God to do the same thing with our hearts. If there are anxious thoughts, if there are unhealthy thoughts, I would rather those come out in a conversation with God than during a meltdown or a freakout or a breakdown, you know? And that's why we invite God to search us, to investigate, to do an inspection. Inspect my heart. Inspect my thoughts. Is there anything that doesn't line up with your plan? Is there anything that doesn't line up with uh, the way you created me? Is there anything that doesn't line up with your thoughts about me? So, the lesson I want to leave you from Psalm 139 is this Ask God what he thinks about you. Ask God. What he's thinking about you. David made it very clear God thinks about us a lot. He knows how and why we do what we do. His thoughts are precious and we need to value them highly. God's opinion of you, hear me, God's opinion of you is more important than anyone else's opinion. His opinion is more important than your friends or your neighbors even your spouse. God's opinion is definitely more valuable than some random stranger on the internet. So you can just stop worrying about that. And this might be the most important thing I want to say to you. God's opinion of you is more important than your opinion of you. God's opinion of you is more valuable than your own opinion of you. God's thoughts carry more weight than your own. You know, we think we think that, how many of you here like to overthink a situation? How many of you like to overthink things? Why did I say that? What did that person mean? What should I have said? What, you know, and you overthink a situation. But you know what's the crazy thing? As much as you might overthink it, God has thought about it more than you. God has thought about it more than you. And you might think, Here's what I should have said or should have done, but God knows better than you about what should have been done. God is smarter than you, okay? I know you know know that, but some of you need to hear it. God is smarter than you, and so what he thinks is more important than what you think. So imagine with me, if you can, imagine a scale, okay, a big scale, and on this side, I'm going to put all of the thoughts I have about me. Here's what I'm good at, what I'm bad at, what I like doing, and who I get along with or whatever. It's all the thoughts I've ever had about me. And on this side of the scale, I'm going to put one thought that God has said about me. Now, which is more valuable? Which carries more weight in my life? What I think or what God has said? And hopefully, we give more weight to God's thoughts than we do to our own. Let me put it in a different term like this. If you look in the mirror a hundred times and you looked at yourself and you said, I'm ugly. But God said, you are wonderfully made. Who's right? Who's right? He said, you are beautifully, wonderfully, fearfully made. So you might say, ah, oh, I'm stupid. Ah, oh, I'm an idiot. Ah, oh, I can't get anything right. I'm tell you you're wrong. Because God said, You have been wonderfully made. And so we need to replace our anxious thoughts with God's precious thoughts. We need to replace those things we're thinking that are unhealthy and not right with what God thinks about us. And that's easy to say, and that's hard to do, because our brains are crazy and do all kinds of crazy things, right? Not along like you know what I'm talking about, I'm not the only crazy person here. Especially you get in a moment, you get in an argument or disagreement, and your brain just starts going all kinds of places. So it's hard to do that in the moment. Um, So the best way I know how to do that is to spend time reading his word and to just, let me put it this way. Um, We are exposed to enough of our own thoughts, right? (laughs) We need to expose ourselves a little more to God's thoughts in the morning and at night and throughout the day, as we look at what he's saying and we read what he's saying and we expose ourselves to that, we let that influence us. So I want to end this morning. um, I'm going to do just a quick moment of prayer. And so here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to invite you to just spend a moment in prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray uh, what David prayed at the end of that psalm. I think it'll be up on the screens here, and it just says, Search me, O Lord, and know me. Just take a moment and invite the Lord to search you. See where there's a weakness, see where there's something that needs some work.